With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The kick ahead. And Dufty's chasing it. Seconds of the game, St. George, Illawarra to the death, trying. Brown goes to the air. Going back is Mabel. Sleeping oh. high and taking it in marvellous fashion with Rod Wishart. He has scored an incredible try and ties this small game up. Bartram from 18 metres out. He strikes it nicely. St. George Illawarra win for the first time in their premiership line. Here's Nathan Blacklock. Down the sideline, chipping over the top of Joel Kane. Got a red service bounce to win the game for the Dragons and book himself a New South Wales Blues origin jump. Good evening, Dragons fans, and welcome to another edition of the Red V Podcast. Jack Clifton and Johnny Pett in the podcast studio uh, tonight bringing you up to date with everything that's happening at St. George Illawarra HQ. We're going to run through your latest Dragons news and updates tonight. We'll talk about the, I guess, uh, 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 winds of change, so to speak, in the St. George District Rugby League Association with Carl Stanley, Jamie Sauer, Jason Nightingale, and a few others being involved with the uh, junior reps for the St. George Dragons. We'll also talk about that expose, I guess you could say, for, for lack of a better term, that was in the paper, uh, Daily Telegraph on Saturday and Sunday. And I guess on top of that, we're going to be chatting with Michael Karianis about that and about some of the issues with uh, the St. George Illawarra Dragons that, I guess, uh, rear their head at the start of the joint venture and uh, are leading through to today and what uh, Michael thinks 2022 is going to be like for St. George Illawarra with their new recruits. And we'll also answer your fans' questions as well a little bit later on in the podcast. Johnny Pat is on the line ready to talk everything St. George George Illawarra. Johnny, another week gone, another week of off-season uh, done and dusted down at the, the Dragons. They're probably feeling a little bit uh, dusty with some of the fitness stuff they've had to do, Johnny. Uh, but uh, hey, you travelling this afternoon, mate? Yeah, all well, good, mate. Yeah, off-season keeps ticking along. The Dragons, they're back in the full swing training down at Wid Stadium. And it's a good little bit of content coming out down there at the moment. You're, you're reading little bits of snippets in the papers. I know the Mercury's producing a lot. Corey Hammond's doing a lot at the moment. He's doing a lot of one-on-one interviews down there at Wynn Stadium. But, you know, it's good to keep informed and a lot going on in this in this off-season, Jack, and so much to talk about this week. Yeah, plenty of uh, Dragons news and updates to get through this week. So let's dive into it and see what is happening down in Wollongong. A first bit of news uh, that you might have heard over the last couple of days is in regards to Jack Bird. There's uh, rumours floating around and uh, a few little audio grads from head coach Anthony Griffin that they're going to shift uh, Jack Bird to the number 13 jumper for the 2022 season. He played a large majority of his football uh, in the centres last season and even previously when he was with uh, Cronulla and Brisbane, he was more of a fullback centre than uh, playing in the back row. But back row is the position that uh, he originally started his career with the Dragons when he was playing in the under-20s competition back uh, a fair few 
few years ago, and it looks as if that's the position, Johnny, that um, Anthony Griffin wants to put him into. Um, obviously, it's taken a little bit of time for him to get uh, his body right and, uh, I guess, stay away from injuries but get um, some uh, contact in of what we saw last season. And there were uh, patches that we saw some good performances in the back row. He played a little bit of edge back row as well alongside uh, center and, and fullback. But I guess it probably throws up another question in in regards to Jack DeBellin. I know we spoke about it on our Twitter page um, on Friday that you could potentially push JDB into, into the front row and um, then uh, maybe not strengthen up but shore up the lock position having Jack Bird there, a ball playing uh, back rower, and then JDB able to play, I guess, tighter through the middle of the, the park. What are your thoughts on on Jack Bird moving to 13 if this does eventuate for season 2022? Yeah, Jack, everyone knows how much of a big fan I am of Jack Bird's. I mean, I watched him play as a junior footballer in, in the Illawarra system. I thought he was an outstanding, probably one of the best junior footballers coming through the ranks at the time, or, or was the best in that age group. Um, you know, played 20s at the Dragons, had had a few injuries, got picked up by Cronulla. We know what happened there. He won a premiership in 2016 and he's played at the highest level, played state of origin, uh, went up to Brisbane, just continued with that horrific run of injuries and played minimal football. And then, mm. you know, come home, back living back in Berkeley, signed with the Dragons. And um, we, we all knew the talent that Jack Bird had and it took a little bit to find his feet. It took a couple of weeks. But once he found his feet last year, Jack, I was so impressed of what he did. And, you know, I, I said it a few times on this podcast last season that Jack Bird was our centre. He's our centre pairing with Zach Lomax for the long term. But, you know, a lot of people got in the ear. You especially, Jack, you were, you were into me saying, no, he's a back rower, he's a back rower. And, you know, you, you must, you're a better judge than me now, mate, because even Hook Griffin's saying he, he's, he's a back rower. But once he started playing in that 11 or 12 last year in that back row, I, I did enjoy watching Jack Bird play in the back row, the aggression close to the middle of, of the field. I thought it was a better fit for the Dragons. And talking to a few people that have watched a lot more of Jack Bird than what I have, they, they say that he's going to make an even better lock. And, you know, I'm 50-50 on it. I like him on the fringe. I think he's real destructive in there. But, you know, if he's going in and playing number 13 and he gets his hands on the ball a lot more, I think we can see another level to Jack Bird's game. A lot of his junior football, Jack, a lot of club football, he, he did wear a lot of 13 on his back in those later sort of years there, you know, the under-13s, under-14s mm. going into that rep season. So, you know, he is used to having his hands on the ball. He's a good 5'8". That lock in that 5'8 position, there's not much difference there as a ball-playing player. It's the defensive work in the middle at lock that I think Jack Bird's going to going to have to really step up his game. Mm. I know he's good in defence. I know he's got the aggression, but 80 minutes of defence in the middle of the field, you're really going to have to step it up a notch. And if Jack Bird does need a break through the game, JDB's a ready-made replacement to go in and play 13, Jack. So you're right in what you're saying. I can see JDB playing a bit of front row next year and also Jack Bird just coming off, coming to the bench and JDB going and playing that 13 role. I guess that's the key, isn't it, Johnny, when you speak about defence? Because I know Jack was was pretty good when he was out in the centres, but when he got moved into that that edge back row position last year, we did see a couple of suspect uh, tackles and poor reads and, and kind of rushing out of the line. And you can't afford to do that in the middle of the park, but I guess it's probably a good thing that um, he may be slated for this position so early in the preseason that he can get some real reps under his belt, not only with the preseason training, but then hopefully a few of these preseason trials as we lead into the early portion of 2022 as well. Yeah, look, a, a full preseason, if, if Hook Griffin's going to do what he says and he's got um, Jack Bird earmarked there for that number 13, that, that lock position, if Birdie's got a full preseason training at lock, trialing at lock, it'll be so beneficial for him going into the season. It might be a case of Jack Bird, you know, doesn't shine playing lock and, and Hook Griffin might have to, you know, resort to putting him into the back row or back into the centres. But if Jack Bird could have a full off-season you know, training at lock, upping his fitness, working on his defence, working on those combinations in the middle of the field for those defensive reads. Um, you know, he can be potentially a very good ball playing 13. And I know they've already started talking about that Victor Radley style of number mm. 13, which, you know, Jack, I'm a huge fan of how Trent Robinson runs Vic Victor Radley in that side. And if um, Hook Griffin's got thoughts of doing that with uh, Jack Bird, uh, let, let's hope it is uh, Trent Robinson slash Victor Radley style of coaching. 
Yeah, that'd be great if we could. Uh, yeah, we could get half the uh, production out of uh, Jack Bird that we've seen from Victor Radley in recent years. That'll be a huge boost to the Dragons uh, heading forward in season 2022. And next bit of news: the St George District Rugby League Association, or the St George R- Rugby League District, is looking to wind back the clock and uh, refind the glory years. They've got a couple of former uh, St George locals and St George and St George Illawarra players to help out with their local development of the junior sides that have uh, been uh, uh, probably not performing. To their best over the last uh, half decade or last decade in both the Matthews Cup, which is the under-17s, and the SG Ball under-19. So Kyle Stanley and his brother Chase Stanley are, are leading the charge there for the St. George Dragons, and they're getting support from the likes of Frank Pritchard, Jason Nightingale, and also Jamie Soward. Um, you would have seen, and we'll talk about this in just a moment, the expose in the Sunday Telegraph and also the Saturday Telegraph. Uh, in regards to the fact that this is the first year, I believe, um, as the joint venture St. George Illawarra, that there hasn't been uh, one player in the top 30 that comes from that St. George local district. And obviously the St. George District Rugby League um, Association is looking to change that. Uh, Johnny, you know better than anyone that uh, the Dragons have, have been very poor in in uh, the junior development side of things for, for, for quite some time. And, and I guess getting these former players in that know uh, what is what is required to be able to make that next step to be but be able to have success even in these lower grades all of these these guys came through as kids in the under 16s under 17s under 18s back in the day and it's great to see uh, them give back but it's also important because they come from the St George district as well and they know what it was like to, to throw on the, the red and white and the red V as these standalone clubs like they do in uh, in the, the junior reps as well so I think this is a certainly a move in the right direction and Cole Stanley even said um, in that uh, that newspaper article of Michael Carianis that you would have seen on the weekend that uh, there was no clear path for St. George players or St. George juniors going through to, to first grade. So it's probably a good move in the right direction for St. George. Yeah, I think it is a good move, Jack. And look, no disrespect to that St. George District Rugby League competition, but it, 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 it's a couple of pegs below what the Illawarra competition is all about, that junior system. And I'll talk about the Illawarra junior system, Jack. You, you go into these pathway systems, you go into your you're under 15s and you go up to Harold Matthews, you go to your SG Ball and the likes of that. And you've got people like Sean Timmons and Matt Head floating around all day. They come in and out of training. And for a young player to look up to someone like Matty Head, who was, it was a very class halfback, or look up to, to Sean Timmons, you know, a very good lock forward, a centre, a 5'8", and you, you talk to these guys at training. Um, you know, it really does instill that, that, that line that you want to go up as a junior footballer and, and play for your local club. You want to move up through the grades and play for St. George Illawarra. You go into that St. George system, Jack, and there's not much up there where you guide, those guys are coming to training, you know, the, the, the ones from the area. But now that's what they're doing. They've got Jason Nightingale um, and players like that, as you touched on, Jack. They're coming to training. They're involved. Chase Stanley's there. I think that's fantastic. Mm. And for these young players that are going to, you know, their first year in representative football, people like Chase Stanley and Jason Nightingale, who, who you know, played at that junior club, went through the system and made it to first grade. That's what this St. George Illawarra, sorry, the St. George District Rugby League needs because that's what's been instilled in all these Illawarra Steelers juniors for a long time, Jack. And, you know, if they're starting to take that little bit of the blueprint of what the Steelers are doing, trying to, you know, promote what's come out of the area and those players like your Matt Heads, like your Sean Timmons that made it all the way, it can only be beneficial for the joint venture in the long term because it's going to have these players, these classy juniors from that St. George area, stay firm, stay solid and go all the way through the ranks and potentially play first grade you know, for the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Yeah, it's exactly what we want. We, uh, yeah, you, you want to be represented from both sides and this is certainly a step in the right direction and, and Johnny and I are both excited to see how St. George a trend when that junior rep season uh, kicks off in, the, in late January, early February um, next year. We'll uh, certainly be keeping tabs on that. And the last bit of news is what we've spoken about a couple of times already in our Dragons News and Updates section. That was that expose that was uh, released um, by a few different journalists for the Daily Telegraph talking about the uh, initial merger between St. George George and Illawarra in 1998, leading forward to uh, today. And I, I guess the lack of success that the, the Dragons have had as uh, a joint venture, and, and we'll be getting into that in just a little, in just a moment when we chat with uh, Michael Carianis about the issues with uh, the joint venture at the beginning and, and culture clashes, but also um, the, the last decade and the unsuccessful times both on and off the field for the Dragons, as well as uh, Michael's thoughts on uh, what St. George Illawarra can do in 2022 with uh, Anthony Griffin at the helm uh, for a second consecutive season. I know there was lots of 
Uh, Dragons fans that uh, enjoyed the article, but it also kind of made them a little bit depressed about what has uh, been a, a really um, barren time um, to be a, a Dragons fan. And, and Michael, uh, I guess, summed it up brilliantly in, in our chat where he said, I guess if you're looking at the joint venture from 1999 to 2011, Johnny, you'd probably, well, not probably, you would definitely give it a pass mark, a, a side that made two grand finals, won one grand final in 2010, and then made finals appearances in 01, 02, 04, 05, 06, 08, uh, 09, 2010, and, and 2011. And then, and then obviously had prelim final berths in, in 05 and 06 with that great uh, St. George Illawarra side of Barrett and, and Bailey, Riles, Gasney, Cooper, uh, Hornby, etc. Uh, but then you look kind of post-2011, 2012 to 2021, you just really have those two sporadic final appearances where uh, the Dragons were, were barely in the finals before they were at the back door. Um, it's been disappointing, but I guess as a Dragons fan, uh, as Dragons fans, Johnny, uh, you kind of live in hope that next year is going to be the one where you can get things right. And, and it certainly looks like things are trending in the right direction. And it's a lot more positive, uh, some of the movements happening at the club than, than what we've seen in recent years. Yeah, that's it. I honestly think the club's pointing, starting to point in that right direction, Jack. I think we're starting to get the right people in the right positions. And if you know, if the results do come in twenty twenty two on the football field, everyone's going to be behind the club. You know, it's it's a bit of a fickle club, isn't it, Jack? That mm. we just demand success as supporters because you know, you look at especially the St George side of the venture. Um, you know, all lack success for a long time. You know, the the Batland Steelers. You know, they, they were thereabouts. They they weren't the, the strongest club, Jack, but um, they were probably one of the most proudest. You know, the, the short lived career. But you go to that St George side and the success that they had for such a long time and you bring these two clubs together. Um, you know, it, it's been harsh the last 10 years. And, you know, my young bloke, he's, he turns 10 in a few weeks. He, he was born, uh, you know, in this era when the Dragons have never made the semis. No wonder he goes for the Sharks. <laughs> yeah, I don't, uh, I, don't, I don't blame him, mate, but uh, hopefully, um, yeah, we can, we can put a bit of a hurting on the Sharkies next year and uh, Jack, Jack's not going to be uh, uh, sprouting around and running his mouth uh, at, at poor old Johnny for, for the no, weekend. let's hope not, mate. Let's hope not. <laughs> yeah, Johnny has to stay pretty quiet, which is a pretty, uh, pretty difficult thing for him to do as some of the listeners of the podcast can probably understand when uh, those things are happening. But we'll, uh, we'll certainly get into more of uh, those things that Johnny and I have just spoken about uh, very, very shortly with our chat with Michael Carianis. Uh, that r- wraps up all of our Dragons news and updates for this week, folks. As always, uh, please flick us an email if there's something that you want to speak more about or something that we may have missed, redvpodcast at gmail.com. We're going to take our first break on episode 96 of the Red V Podcast. On the other side of that, I'm going to chat with Michael Carianis. He's one of the lead uh, sports and rugby league journalists for the Daily Telegraph. We talk about, I guess, the initial um, surrender St. George and Illawarra merging together to make St. George Illawarra in September of 1998 and all of the, the backstories about St. George maybe being maybe becoming the Melbourne Dragons and Illawarra maybe going out of business if they hadn't been able to find a joint venture partner as well as uh, some of the successes on the field and off the field but also uh, the treacherous last decade that has seen the Dragons become uh, the also-rans of uh, the NRL. That's coming up next. Myself and Michael Carianis chatting here on the Red V Podcast. Welcome back to the Red V Podcast. Jack Clifton and Johnny Pett here with you, dissecting everything in regards to the St. George Illawarra Dragons. I've got a special guest on the podcast this afternoon. I'm pleased to be chatting with Michael Carianis. Michael uh, is one of the lead columnists, one of the lead uh, journalists for the Daily Telegraph. He covers sport, he covers rugby league, and he's been covering uh, the Dragons over the last couple of days. If you're a Red V fan that has your face buried in the paper, you probably would have seen uh, the investigation or a bit of a deep dive that was done uh, by not only Mick, but also Dave Ricky and Brent Reid, I guess, having a look at uh, the issues of the Red V, not only uh, today, but also uh, kind of how uh, the uh, the amalgamation or the, the merger started all the way back in, in 1998. And Mick's been good enough to give up a bit of a time this afternoon and talk about uh, that and also talk about the Dragons heading into 2022. Michael, thanks for joining us on the Red V co- podcast, mate. How are you travelling? Um, well, Jack, yeah, it's good to be. I've listened to a few. You do a good job. So it's yeah, it's good to be part of it. Thanks, Michael. I guess I want to kind of kick off, as what I mentioned in, in the intro, yourself, Dave Riccio and, and Brent Reid have done a bit of a deep dive or an investigation um, on the, the trials and trouble of of the Red V, I guess, since the, the, the start of the, the history of the club in, in 1999 through to today. What encouraged you guys to, I guess, um, uh, delve into to this kind of conversation about the Dragons? Yeah, a, a few reasons. Well, one, they're such a big club with, with, with lots of interest and, and passionate fans. And, and and if you ask any Dragons fans, I know I've had these conversations with Dragons fans over the last couple of years, it's like, what's happened? What's gone wrong? Mm. Um, and then uh, surprisingly, when 
you know, I don't, I'm not much of a punter, but when the odds came out, uh, the premiership odds came out and Saints were at the bottom uh, of the odds, you're like, well, how, how can they be below the West Tigers or North Queensland and, and all this sort of stuff? And, you know, you, you, can't, you start questioning, you know, um, what's happening in the club, what's going on, uh, particularly the last decade. I think the, the last decade on the field has been abysmal. Mm. You spoke to many former players and coaches um, in your investigation, Mick, including uh, David Wade, who was uh, the inaugural coach of the, the St. George Illawarra side, Trent Barrett, Jeff Carr, uh, Warren Lockwood, who was uh, part of the board with uh, with St. George and St. George Illawarra, uh, and also Brian Johnson, just to, to name a, a few. Were you surprised at, at what you heard from these guys? Uh, a, a little bit, uh, particularly dating back. Uh, you know, I was, I was pretty young um, around that, you know, 95, 96, 97, 98 period where uh, particularly the St. George side where they first started uh, discussions around mergers and how close they got to actually merging with the Roosters in 95 and then uh, talk of uh, when I was sitting there and going through the newspaper archives, I, I had mm. no idea that um, Super League had, had slated the Dragons for uh, Mel- Melbourne, basically. Yeah. Um, that, that was the talk. So if they were going to relocate, uh, a club or if St. George were going to join Super League, well, chances are they're going to um, become the Melbourne Dragons or something like that. Mm. Adelaide well, was another discussion point. But uh, also um, really interesting and fascinating for me was, you know, the hour and a half that I spent on the phone with David Wade, mm. um, just a, a real student of the game still. And just his mindset and, and um, the experience of, of bringing two sides and differing cultures and, egos and, and the like in, into one and the instant success they had and basically how quickly it unraveled midway through uh, 2000. It's interesting as well, isn't it, Mick? Because I, I remember reading uh, reading stuff around the joint venture when it all began and St. George Illawarra was referred to as a super club. I know they had yeah. cap concessions in 1999, which meant they could keep so many of those stars and that obviously affected um, them down the track over the next couple of years. But I guess when you look at the performances on the field and off the field over the last probably five or six years, it's yeah, it's hard to, hard to kind of fathom. This is actually two clubs. We'll talk about the, I guess, the lack of St. George juniors and those kinds of things. But when you look at the, the rich nursery of, of Illawarra and, and the, the money that the, the Dragons have got with, the I guess, the Gordons backing them. It's quite surprising that success has eluded them for so long. Yeah, I, I think if you sat down and, and you looked at – if you split up the joint venture, uh, it's sort of uh, since 99. Between 99 and 2011, I, I think you'd have to describe it as successful on the field. Mm. Uh, you know, a grand final 99, premiership 2010 – prelims in, in five and six and lots of finals appearances. I think probably only one season were they towards the, the bottom of the ladder. ladder. Um, might have been Andrew Farris last year mm. um, around then where, where they sort of dropped off uh, a little bit. But um, so on the field, you know, you, you take that. You, you take a grand final premiership prelims um, in, in the space of, you know, 15 years. But uh, the last decade, two finals wins in a decade – in in a in a competition where mm. half the sides make the finals, it's it's, it's not good enough. It, it has literally been the wasted decade of, of the of the dragons. When you speak to a lot of, uh, I know you've experienced this, Mick, but I know I've experienced this through through social media and th- since running the Red V podcast is, and this isn't uh, this isn't a blanket rule, but there seems to be a fair bit of division between dragons fans. There's obviously those staunch. Uh, St. George Illawarra fans that were St. George fans prior to the merger that would love to see uh, their own St. George uh, side again. Then you've got guys down the Illawarra that um, support St. George Illawarra probably feel like they're not totally recognised in the joint venture and would love to see the South Coast or the Illawarra region have uh, their own side. I guess when you went back and looked at a lot of the, and did a lot of the research, Mick, and looked at a lot of those articles from that, that Super League period, could you have seen St. George or Illawarra being able to stand independently if they hadn't decided to merge in September of 1998? Uh, Illawarra, I think, uh, uh, hard no. I, I don't think um, the Steelers w- w- or Illawarra w- would be represented at all unless, you know, you wind back the clock and there was a private benefactor back then, if we're talking mm. win. They, they, they needed rescuing from, from regard, regardless of, of uh, what standpoint. The, you know, the Steelers needed um, financial assistance, whether that came in the shape of the Dragons or St. George or someone else. If it didn't happen, just say it didn't happen, there'd be no Steelers. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's quite clear because we get we get through 2000, 2001, and suddenly the Steelers are defaulting 
on on their repayments to the joint venture and St. George Leagues had to tip in the money and then, you know, they, they, they racked up almost $10 million worth of debt to St. George Leagues. So there's, there's no doubt um, the Steelers wouldn't have survived without St. George or someone else. I'm not just saying it, it yeah. had to be St. George. It had to be someone. Uh, on the flip side, you, you look at St. George and, uh, and and I asked Brian Johnson that that question. He's a two-time CEO, was the inaugural CEO, uh, chairman as well of uh, you know inaugural um, CEO and became chairman and then CEO again. And he said he had doubts if the league's club or the football club uh, could have survived. He said one could have, but not both. Mm. Um, so that that that's uh, in line with the fact that the league's club was struggling going through uncertainty, you know, poker machine tax and changing demographics mm. in the area. Um, but then you, you cast your mind back and uh, the Leafs Club was putting up the debt to cover the Steelers. They got that money back, though. It was a loan. It wasn't like they, uh, you know, they didn't get that $10 million mm. back. And that was part of Wynn's um, condition when they when they bought out the Illawarra share, that they, they would pay that loan. But, you know, I think St. George might have struggled um, to stand on its own two feet, and, and that's why they uh, got into bed with, with Illawarra. One of the interesting segments of the article I, I enjoyed was kind of right at the start of, of part one, Mick, was uh, talking uh, to Trent Barrett, and Trent was obviously a very young player that had huge raps on him when he was first coming into to first grade, and around that time, I think in 1998, he'd scored something like 15 or 16 tries, which f- was phenomenal back then for, for a young a young 5'8", and he, he speaks about and spoke to you and other uh, journalists about, I guess, the how heart-wrenching it was seeing uh, Illawarra players that, that love the South Coast and love the Steelers um, being effectively had their contracts ripped up. There was there was no spot for them in this St. George Illawarra aside for 1999. What was the the general feeling or consensus you got when you spoke to some of those Illawarra old boys? Yeah, well, th- there's no doubt um, Illawarra was, uh, well, with all due respect to the Steelers, they were uh, a country sort of, Feel like the side had that 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 country feel. They 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 picked the best juniors from regional areas and the mm. South Coast and uh, the Illawarra area is, is such a great um, region for for footballers. But it, it was probably the day the Steelers lost their innocence a little bit. Mm. Um, uh, probably is probably the best way to describe it, where it all became real. Uh, how much of a business and how cutthroat um, the game had become, you know, happened in that 1998 off season, heading into you know the first few months of the joint venture. When the joint venture started, um, you, you wrote about there was a there was a, an evident culture clash between uh, the St George boys, who were of it, people like Nathan Brown, Anthony Mundine, Nathan Blacklaw, kind of city yeah. slickers for for lack of a better term. Um, they were all I remember one um, one um, section of the article you saying they were all dressed up to go out to Northies after <laughs> um, going out for dinner at a pub, and then all the Illawarra boys turned up and they were just in flannels and shorts and thongs because they were probably more country there was certainly a, a culture clash at the start and I guess speaking to kind of Anthony Mundine and Rod Wishard and a few others on on the podcast recently uh, in recent years they've kind of echoed those those sentiments it's a little bit different now because it seems like a lot of the St George Illawarra players come from that south coast region uh, and we can kind of chat about the lack of of St George juniors I think it's the first season in in, uh, in the history of St George Illawarra there's been no St George juniors but do you feel there's still some kind of culture clash there in, in sense of maybe some of the guys um, that live up in Sydney or, or players that might not want to come to the Dragons because everything is based out of Wollongong? I, I wouldn't describe it as, as a culture clash anymore because the, the players now, they don't have a, an affiliation with St. George or Illawarra. They've got an affiliation with the Dragons. And, mm. you know, those guys before, well, they definitely had an affiliation. They played for those, uh, you know, those respective clubs and, and came through the grades and, uh, and it was all separated for for a long, long time. I know Matt's, uh, SG Ball and Harold Matthews are, are still separated now, but you know it's all bred into those youngsters now that you're going to represent the Dragons, and it funnels mm. it funnels through. So definitely not within the players that there is an element, and it is hard because you know some live in Sydney, some live in Wollongong. If you're not keen on travelling an hour a day uh, one way to to get to training, well. It's going, and you live in Sydney and you're off contract where well, you go, well, maybe I'll, I'll stay with another Sydney club. But it also offers up a, a different lifestyle for those out-of-town out of players who don't want to live in Sydney as well. So I, I couldn't say it's all negative mm. uh, in terms of uh, 
where, where things are based. All the training's down down in Wollongong now. Probably a handful of players li- live in Sydney. A few more now with you know Moses and by Aaron Woods and Jaden Sula signing for the club. Moses Suli, I think he'll probably stay in Sydney as well. So there's a, there's a few more, but it does make it hard, uh, I guess, when you're trying to get that team bond in in a sense because you know if you're living in Sydney, it's not, not easy to get home if, if you're, yeah. you know, having a few drinks in, in Wollongong and the like. So um, speaking to some people, and they said one of the, the best things that happened to the club in the past couple of years was the Dragons bus, you know, the, mm, the Sydney yeah. bus that, you know, Jason Nightingale, James Graham and Tyson Frizzell, Jeremy Lattimore, there was a host of them who, who all came down together. Ben Hunt was, was part of it and, and they really bonded uh, and spent some quality time together. So be interesting if they do that again because there's definitely a larger representation of Sydney-based players this, uh, heading into next year than there was in, in 2021. Michael, history can tell us a lot of things um, when it comes in regards to sport. And no doubt we've read and heard about the, the troubles of, of the joint venture coming together and the culture clashes and all the stuff we've, we've spoken about before. Can, can the current day Dragons, maybe not the players, but can the, the current Dragons set up and the hierarchy and everyone in the backroom staff learn uh, stuff from what's happened and I guess what we've spoke what's been spoken about in these articles about how the, the joint venture came together and those those early teething issues well it's probably I, I'd suggest in, in terms of backroom stuff it's probably more at play now than it was back then because you know St. George established itself as as a dominant partner very quickly as soon as the Steelers defaulted on on, on repaying their debts well you know St. George assumed the debt and, and St. George basically assumed control of the club but now when you've got um, a 50-50 partnership between Wynn, who are very business savvy, very headstrong, uh, very opinionated and, and have every right to be, um, there's naturally going to be clashes with elements of the St. George board because sometimes, although you're competing, you're, you're aligned, you're competing for different interests sometimes. You know, you've got the St. George side looking after, mm. obviously, the, the St. George region and, you know, we've seen some crazy stuff. I've been quite critical of the way, um, the wording of the way the Dragons have handled the centenary of St. Yeah, George. Yeah, uh, It's embarrassing. The way to, to describe it as a founding partner or a founding club or one of our founding clubs, please. It's mm. St. George's centenary. Why are we scared to celebrate it? That's 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 the thing. Why why is why are we scared as a, a, a St. Why is St. George of scared to celebrate the success mm. of yep. St. George? Um, that 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 hasn't sat well with me. Um, that, those those sort of things, but um, there's no doubt uh, they're in a better position now with Win on board than they were before Win came on. I, I think that's quite evident. Looking at current day of, of the St George Illawarra Dragons, before we jump into a few fans' questions, Mick, what are your thoughts on the current setup at the, the Dragons? Everyone seems to have their say or have their opinion on Anthony Griffin. Last season uh, didn't end the way that I'm sure Dragons fans or Dragons players or Dragons staff would have would have liked. But he's they've delved into the transfer market again. They've um, been able to blood a few youngsters. There's there's big raps on the likes of, uh, of Matt and Max Fierney, but also Tyrell Sloan, Junior Ramon, Jaden Sullivan, and then a couple of those names you spoke about before, Moe by Aaron Woods, Jaden Sewer, George Burgess, all, all coming in. What uh, If you're looking into your, your crystal ball, Mick, what, what's 2022 look like for the St. George Illawarra Dragons? Well, I think they should be competing for the eight. There's no doubt about it. I, I like um, what they've done for the first time in a while now. Uh, there's a You can see the path where the Dragons are headed, I don't think we've been able to see that for, for a while in terms of recruitment and retention. You know, you, you mentioned all those young guys. Well, you know they're going to be part of the future. There's no doubt about that. They're going to build around Sloan and uh, the Haas. You know, it's going to be interesting what happens with Amon and Sullivan, but they're, they're, that's who they're going to build their future around. And then you, you couple that with some really high-profile recruits for the first time, and, and you go, well, what did the Dragons miss in the past couple of years? And there's no doubt they missed some punch with the footy. Mm. And, and and they bought that. They bought Sua. They bought Suli. Um, there's some big bodies that they Francis Molo. They, there's some big bodies that are going to add some grunt. Um, they've been patient in in their recruitment and even their retention. And uh, we mentioned in the story, it hasn't always worked in favour, right? Because they were patient with Cameron McInnes, and he naturally took a, an offer that was on the table from Cronulla and and left. They're doing something similar now with Tarek Sims. They haven't mm. said they're definitely not going to re-sign him, but they just want to see where it ends up in the first couple of weeks of, of next season. Um, but under Ben Harron, um, 
and Anthony Griffin, I'm, I'm liking what, what I'm seeing in terms of their recruitment, retention and patience and uh, not spending crazy money to, to get people to the club anymore. Mick, we'll just fire a few fans' questions at you. Fans had uh, lots of questions that uh, they wanted to uh, throw your way just uh, in regards to the club. Our first one's from uh, PV on Twitter. Peter said, how is the Gordon's money adding value to the club like other multi-billionaires add to clubs such as South and East? Well, uh, I think there's no doubt um, if Wynn wanted to, they could tip in more than what they do. Um, at, at the moment, I'm not sure if this has changed, but the original agreement between St. George Leagues and um, win is to tip in half a million dollars a season each. That's not a lot of money mm, uh, in, yeah. in, into into the joint venture. And um, you know what what it's done? It's made the board a lot more accountable, and and the spend of um, you know office staff and, and the like. There's been a lot of changeover in, in in staff, but I would like to see Win tipping more money. I think St George Leagues can tip in more money as well. They got a lot of money in, in their bank, so uh, to invest a, a little bit more. Uh, in the business, I think would, uh, would would prove beneficial. They're obviously trying to build a center of excellence in, in Wollongong, so that's going to be something mm. that, um, you know, they'll have to chip in uh, a fair bit of money for, I'd suggest. So, But, yeah, they're not tipping in as probably as much as they should. Neither party. I don't think 500000 mm. for St. George or wins enough. Uh, Tim has asked, uh, what is your evaluation of the club's current hierarchy and do you believe the club has learned uh, from the mistakes of the first 20 years? Um, oh, well, I like that they got an outsider as CEO. There's no doubt about that. I think Ryan Webb brings a, a fresh approach. He probably hasn't had the easiest of start with COVID and Jack DeBellin mm. and then the sacking of Paul McGregor. So it's been a bit turbulent. Um, but um, he's he, he's different. He's not a he's not a footy head, right? But mm. uh, he, he's there to 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 try and monetize the the Dragons and, and try and lead them into a. a some sort of currency, right? Because there's no doubt that they've lagged in in innovation, I guess. I think, you know, there's yeah. been a lack of innovation in and around the club for, for a while now. But um, I like that uh, that appointment. I like Ben Harron's appointment as basically head of football. Um, so I think those two coupled together puts the club in uh, sets a good path uh, for the club going forward. Uh, Macos asked on Twitter, Mick, um, is it scary to hear Kyle Stanley say there hasn't been a clear pathway for St. George Juniors in the past? Um, it'd be scary if you didn't know that it had occurred. Like I was pretty aware of what was going on, I guess, in, in, in the St. George region. And it's it's quite embarrassing what's happened to um, that, that St. George area. And to think that there's no uh, St. George Junior coming through playing first grade at, at, at the Dragons next year is embarrassing. There's no doubt about that. I think Harmo Sele was the last local product mm. to debut. That's 2017. So, you know, they could go four, five, six, seven years before a local junior from the St. George side debuts to the club. Um, apparently there's not a lot coming through either. So um, it was a really good chat with Kyle. He's really passionate. He's gone through it. Uh, he knows what pathways and systems are in place. He's got Frank Pritchard on board. Um, yeah. His brother Chase Stanley's on board as well. So, um He's really, really passionate and really um, – he's going to be strategic, patient, but he knows the path that uh, he wants to set and um, I think it's going to be a positive for the club. Our last question comes from Cooper Island. Mickey said, is there any legs to the Amon to Dolphins rumours? Well, I'm sure they, <laughs> they'd love to have him, but uh, Saints, uh, I can't see St. George Alora letting him go. Um, he's got another two years left on his deal. Uh, you speak to anyone in and around the club and – you know, they've earmarked big things for him. Um, so I, I think, you know, I, I'd be surprised if he ends up elsewhere. Uh, to finish, Michael, have we got any update on, on Jaden Sullivan? We're hearing that the Dragons have offered him a, a three-year deal. Yeah, nothing yet. That's right. It's a it's a three-year offer on the table for, for Jaden. But, uh, you know, I'd expect that to be wrapped up sooner rather than later. There's interest in him. There's no doubt about that. Mm. But uh, he wants to stay. I think it's more just trying to find um, – a spot like where, where, where does he fit in? That, that that's the question. They, you know, uh, Amon and Hunt is, will probably start the season in the halves. They bought Moses Embiid as that utility. So mm. where does he fit? Do you do you see him? You know, two years time. You know, after twelve months, do we see Ben Hunt transitioning to the final few years of his deal at Hooker and, and the youngsters starting in the halves? I'm, you know, I'm not sure that's the way Anthony Griffin wants to go. But that's the question. It's more going to be a 
he, his desires definitely to remain at the Dragons. It's just a matter if they can, you know, sell a pathway for him in the top grade. Mick, we could uh, talk all afternoon about the the Mighty Dragons, mate. But we appreciate you you jumping on board today and, and talking about uh, the article. I know a lot of uh, a lot of fans really enjoyed the read, and it was yeah, we really uh, really appreciate the time you've given up here this afternoon to chat about the the Red V. Thanks for uh, joining us on the Red V podcast, mate. Anytime. Big thanks to Michael for dropping by and having a chat with us on the Red V podcast. A uh, lovely, uh, lovely guy and uh, obviously has a bit of passion for the Dragons and he spoke about uh, lots of different uh, segments of, uh, of stuff they've looked at and um, as he spoke about a, a proud and passionate club with a, a, a huge fan base and certainly deserves more and deserves better and that, what, that what's been dished up over the last nine or ten years both on and off the field for the, uh, the St. George Illawarra Dragons. As always, uh, if you want to get in contact with us at the podcast, you've got some feedback on the chat with Michael, redvpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter at redvpodcast1. Facebook, the Red V Podcast, and also uh, the Red V Podcast on Instagram. Big thanks to all of our supporters on all of our uh, different social media channels. Time for us to jump into our fans' corner questions for this week. And Johnny, we've got a couple of really good questions uh, that have been uh, fired at us today. The first one is coming from Jordan Stoszewski uh, via our Gmail account, redvpodcast at gmail.com. And Jordan has asked, hey, Jack, Jack and Johnny, uh, the question I have for you on the podcast today is how the spine will shape up in 2022. The main issue from the outside looking in is since Hook will be under pressure at the start of the season to keep his coaching gig, he might be hell-bent on experience and might turn away from the youngsters, e.g. Sullivan, Amone, and Sloan. We might see Jack Bird and Moe Zambaya starting fullback or 5'8 for all we know. There were media reports the Dolphins have an interest in Junior Amone. If Hook Griffin is looking towards the future, he needs to start uh, Ben Hunt at Hooker, although I thought last Last year was the best he played halfback for our club and start all the youngsters in the starting spine for us to keep them together. Although they might lack experience and struggle from day-to-day grind in the NRL, there'll be better continuity and throughout the spine. Some pretty good points there, uh, Johnny. I guess some would argue that Ben Hunt probably staying at seven might give us our, our best opportunity to, to have success, but I could certainly see um, a scenario where he goes to nine to mean, means Bud Sullivan to seven and, and Junior Ramona at, at six. Uh, it's, it's an interesting thought process. Yeah, look, there's a lot of good points to take out of that one. And um, firstly, Hook Griffin under pressure early in the season. Yes, definitely. I mean, if we get off to a slow start in the competition next year, Hook Griffin potentially is one of those first coaches in the NRL, you know, that's going to come under fire and potentially lose his job. To play it safe for Hook Griffin, and I think that's what he's done a lot last season for the bulk of the season, I, I think Ben Hunt's going to be your start in seven, no doubt about it. I thought Ben Hunt, and he was, he was our best player in season 2021. I dare say he's going to play seven. I know Bud Sullivan definitely is our future halfback. Hands down, him and Junior Ramon are going to be our halves moving forward. But if it was me, and I've said it before, Jack, I'd be starting Ben Hunt at seven. Bud Sullivan, to me, he's either going to play at nine or he's going to be that number 14. I'm not having Moses and Boy in my side at all. No. He doesn't make my 17, Jack, and I've said it before, that's no disrespect to Moses, but I think you need to play the likes of Bud Sullivan at nine or at 14. And, I, you know, potentially I think he can maybe even start over Andy McCulloch at times. During the rep season, Ben Hunt's going to play for Queensland. He'll be that number 14 in that Queensland system. So it's the time for shine for Bud Sullivan to start at that number seven. And if he's playing either that number nine role or that number 14 role throughout the season, he just slots into Ben Hunt's spot at seven. And you never know if Ben Hunt does get injured. Let's hope he doesn't because we know what happened last year when he did. Um, you've got that ready ready-made replacement at seven, and that's Bud Sullivan. He'll partner Junior Ramon, hands down, um, in the future. But I, I dare say it's going to be Bud, Bud Sullivan will be in that nine or 14 role. Benny Hunt's going to play seven. Junior Ramon's going to play six. And Tyrell Sloan, you know, he, he, he's number one. I, uh, I, you know, there's a lot of rumours floating around that, you know, he, he's on a development contract. He can't play just yet. Whatever it is, Tyrell Sloan is your long-term number one at the moment. He will start at, at fullback next season. Well, that leads us into our next question beautifully, Johnny, because uh, Pursuit of Hoppiness, Jim Cat uh, 2 on Twitter has asked, are players on development contracts still able to play NRL after July 1 or has it changed? And is Tyrell Sloan still on a development contract? Yeah, look, I, I've, I've heard this that he is, but I've, I just don't see how he still is. Um, you know, I, you know you'd, you'd know better than most, Jack, and um, hopefully – we should have really had the answer ready for this before the podcast. But, um, look, <laughs> I, would, I, would, look, I, would, I would say that he, 
I'm fairly certain that he's still on a development contract, but I would dare say they that in the next few up. months he's that they, yeah, he'll go, he'll go to full contract soon. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, look, the, the way that Tyrell finished the season off, and um, you know, the way that he played, there's 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 no way that he's not going to get that that grasp at that first shot at that number one jersey for next season. And, you know, that young spine that, that's coming through, it's, um, you know, it, it's exciting times. And um, just to throw throw off a little bit, Jack, that, you know, there's all these reports in the media about all these other clubs chasing our players, you know, that it came out the other day that Bud Sullivan's open for offers. Yeah, he might be open for offers, but look, he, he he's definitely going to stay in Wollongong, that's for sure. And then there's talk of um, Junior getting getting scouted there by the Redcliffe Dolphins. Look, the Redcliffe Dolphins, who aren't they chasing at the moment? Anyone that's that, that's an NRL player that's got potential, the Redcliffe Dolphins are looking at them. A last question comes from Ian Robinson, and, and uh, Ian has said, Hi, guys. I enjoy the podcast. Keep it up. I've just got two questions. I've heard Ben Hunt referred to as a running half, not an organising half. If this is so, which halves on our roster are organisers? I'm not familiar enough with Sullivan Amon to know. I don't think Mbai is an organiser either. Also, Wayne Bennett's comments in the News Corp article about telling Douse to stay out of the way doesn't surprise. Do you think the Oust-Douse movement had a point? Cheers, Ian Robinson. Organising halves. Ben Hunt's a very good organising number seven. Um, when he's got his, his head in the game and when he's in the right, right frame of mind, he is one of the best organising halves in the competition. It's when Ben Hunt has a couple of shocking moments in a game and he, he puts that confidence down where he just he just loses that ability to, to march the sides around the field. Bud Sullivan's a very, very, very good organiser. He can yell and scream and point every forward in the right direction and tell them when, where they need to be on the field. Junior Ramon, he, he's your running 5'8". He's got a bit of a voice on him, Jack, but I think he's more of a running player. That's why I like the combination of mm. Bud and Junior because because Bud can really march them around the paddock and tell them where they want to be. And then, you know, he can go to the line and we've seen it um, when he played nine there down at Wynn Stadium towards the end of the year. I think it was at Wynn and there he um, – I'm sorry, it was in Queensland and mm. I think Junior Ramon went straight through the middle in that combination with Tyrell Sloan. That's where you sort of see that his players that um, you can tell what type of players they are. Bud's the organiser, Junior's the runner, Tyrell's the ball follower. It's that little little spine, that little bit of magic. But Ben Hunter, organiser, he's your main man out there for next season, Jack. And there's probably a misconception in rugby league that if someone is a running half or someone that can run the ball, they can't be an organiser. And I think Ben Hunt probably bucks that trend and bucks that rule a fair bit, doesn't he? Because he is a great runner of the football, but he's a great organiser. An organiser is just someone, as it says, that, that can organise the attacking line, that is vocal, that um, uh, can be passionate, that, that can just organise the team. Uh, everyone knows where they need to go. Everyone knows that the instructions they need to follow and those kinds of things. And I think Benny sums that up brilliantly. In regards to... Yeah, you Look go at on. James Maloney. Look at James Maloney. Jimmy Maloney was one of the best organisers out there on the field, and he had a really good running game as well, Jack. He knew mm. when to take the line on, and he, you know, he'd have to have been the most annoying player out there on the field. The way that he just yap, 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 mm. and you know, Bud's got a little bit of that about him. Bud can really organise a team where they want to be on the paddock. Uh, in regards to Robbo's uh, second question, he, he said Wayne Bennett's comments uh, in the News Corp article about telling Douse to stay out of the way doesn't surprise. Uh, do you think the Oust Douse movement had a point? Uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think so. Um, I don't think you can. You c- we can solely pin it on on Peter Douse. I certainly think that. He probably hasn't had the the most positive effect on on the Dragons. I think a lot of fans will probably point to the fact that I think originally, and, and I don't know if this was hearsay or whether it was 100% truth, but Wayne Bennett wanted a five year contract and Peter Dowse only offered him three. Uh, but I think there's I think there's probably been a mentality at the Dragons for far too long that has been a bit of an old boys club. Um, guys that have have played or have coached or have been involved uh, on the board or in the backroom staff have kind of been regurgitated around um, or have been recycled around. So I wouldn't, I, I, in regards to your, your questioning, I think the Oustab movement, yes, did have a point, but I, I think it it, um, it seeps a, a little bit deeper deeper than than, than Peter Douse. I would love to see um, independent board members. I'd love to for us to kind of get away from uh, the St. George side and the Illawarra side. I think the fact that we've been a, a joint venture and we've been a, a club for tw- in excess of 20 years, it would be great to, kind of uh, be independent, but I guess as as long as 50% is owned by St. George Leagues and 50% is owned by uh, the Wynn Corporation, then you're probably going to have some kind of sides. But do do agree with you to to an extent. Not surprised that um, when Peter Douse was told to stay away by Wayne Bennett, the Dragons did manage to have success both on and off the field there. So a big thanks to Ian for his question. And a big thanks also to Jim Cat.
chat too, and uh, Jordan as well for the questions in Fans Corner. If you want to get your Fans Corner questions featured on the Red V podcast, they can either be written questions or audio questions. You can email them to us, redvpodcast at gmail.com. Each Tuesday morning when the podcast is recorded or the day that the podcast is recorded, we also throw up the, uh, the questions um, or the questions that you'd like to ask on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. So uh, that's another way for you to drop your questions in below. So a big thanks to everyone that gets involved uh, with the Red V podcast. So that brings us to the end of the Fans Corner question. Also brings us to the end of the Red V podcast uh, for episode 96. Just a quick reminder, if you do want to support us financially here at the Red V podcast, Jack, myself and Johnny uh, would greatly appreciate that. We have a Patreon page, which is a chance uh, for you to throw your support financially behind the Red V podcast. This is a great way to kind of help us in, in maintaining equipment, laptops and uh, podcast equipment and headphones and uh, all the uh, the different things we have to sign up to, even just uh, some of the uh, the papers that we sign up to to make sure we're well and truly on top of uh, everything that's happening at the Dragons. Uh, so if that's if you're that way inclined, we greatly appreciate it and uh, yeah, certainly uh, uh, support everyone, regardless whether they're giving financially or not, the, the support they give us to uh, to the Red V Podcast. But that page to go to is patreon.com slash Red V Podcast. We've got three tiers there, $1, $4, and $8, all US dollars there. If you sign up for the $8 tier, you can or uh, you will get either a free Red V Podcast hoodie or a free uh, Red V Podcast t-shirt up, up to you. I know it's getting a little bit warmer now, so hoodies probably aren't the appropriate uh, choice of, of dress once uh, once summer comes, but uh, that is uh, completely up to you. So patreon.com forward slash Red V Podcast. Johnny, always great chatting Dragons footy with you, mate. I know you have, uh, you're like a, you're like an alcoholic that hasn't had a beer for uh, a couple of months during this footy off season. I know you're really keen for the winter months to come back and, and get footy uh, back on the TVs and back in front of us, mate. Uh, but uh, we'll keep keep marching on. Plenty of Dragons news to get through and appreciate your, your support and your work as always tonight, mate. Good, mate. There'll be no, more news next week, I'm sure. Something will come out of Wollongong, <laughs> something will come out of Cogger. We've got something to talk about. But yeah, you know, the weeks are ticking by for this uh, off-season and not too far. February will come around quick enough mm. and we'll be watching the trials on KO Sports for sure. Yeah, looking forward to that. Big thanks to Johnny Pett for his hard work here on the Red V Podcast. That's, uh, this concludes episode 96 of the Red V Podcast. Big thanks to everyone that has tuned in and supported. Until we've got more Dragons news and continue our interview series, Rod Henniker, the former Steeler, is going to be on episode 97 next week, talking all about his career uh, down in the Great South for the Illawarra Steelers. This is myself, Jack Clifton, and Johnny Pett signing off from the Red V Podcast. Go those money, Dragons. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.